Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What action going back and forth? Got an ass like an amphitheater. It begins with a U. It ends with an A. There's a meal dish out there. Monday Night Raw, number Welcome everyone to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review as the other Cultaholic lads are recovering, resting, rejuvenating themselves after a frantic, frenetic week of Premier Wrestling. We have decided that's not enough wrestling. We need to consume more wrestling. We need to go back in our Ica Pro Power DeLorean to 1994 to the halcyon days of Monday Night Raw. And who be we? Ivy, fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Campbell, and I am with the bear in the big blue bar cage, the head pen of cultaholic. If you were to hand him a pencil, do you know what he'd do? He'd turn that bitch sideways and hand it back to you because he doesn't need it. He gets it right every time with a pen. He is Justin Henry and he is off of America. I almost forgot how to do this show. Do you know what's nice? And I was thinking about this, mate. Um, <laughs> it feels like we've had like a nice big house party and John Eiley's been here and Matthew Gregg's been here and we've played party games and all this stuff. And now it feels like all the guests have gone and it's back to me and you. And there's a lovely warmth and joy <laughs> that comes from that. Yes, now we got to clean everything up, and there's still somebody passed them on the floor, and they're in puke. And... John Eiley's been sick in the toilet again. John! <laughs> it's very, um, well, it's like abstract art coming from John, really. Uh, do you know what? Yeah, uh, somehow John even makes uh, vomit around the toilet look look beautiful. don't know how he does it. It's incredible work. <laughs> It's very Picasso-ish. It is, really is. So um, thank you very much to John Eiley, who joined us for the March to WrestleMania podcast. And a massive thank you to Matthew Gregg, who joined us for the WrestleMania 10 watch along as well. Do you know what? We've had some fun as we've rocked WrestleMania 10, haven't we, Justin? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, unfortunate it's all downhill from here as the new generation <laughs> kicks off. This is it now, isn't it? This is the beginning of the new generation era. From this point on, we are getting inundated with new generation eras. Yeah, Mania 10 was like the last hurrah before like a long prison sentence. <laughs> that was our final meal. And, uh, yeah. I, hope, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I've got a couple of notes before we get underway. Um, okay. In fact, if you could do us the honor and privilege of saying where and when we are for this episode. Well, it is the day after WrestleMania, and we are live. It is Monday, March 21st, 1994, 
and we're at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, at this point in time, according to the Wrestling Observer, Jesse Ventura <clears throat> is about to go to court against Titan. Uh, he's suing, claiming he deserved a better cut of his merchandise uh, as part of the WWF because his deal was made under duress. He also deserves a percentage of videotape sales because his voice was used on so many of the tapes. Um, now, is this why... Like, and I don't know whether the two are connected because I seem to have this vivid memory, Justin, of watching old wrestling, particularly mm -hmm. in WCW, with Jesse's voice not in it. You are correct on that because they were because of if I recall correctly, reading Ventura's book, uh, I ain't got time to bleed, which is a, a very a very fascinating read. He asked Hogan, he asked Vince one time about royalties since his voice is used on all these videos, whether it's pay per view or whatever. And Vince apparently told him point blank, Jesse, nobody gets royalties, not even Hogan. Well, that was BS. And when Jesse learned that, that's when he took Vince to court and subsequently to the cleaners. As in about a month from, from this point, uh, Vince Hoare gets a huge um, financial uh, finding from the, uh, from the court they found in his favor. So the financially strapped WWE at this point just took a – it takes an even bigger hit very, very soon. Thanks to uh, Jesse Ventura rightly claiming that he wants some pennies. Uh, and, uh, and as you point out, you are right about the um, editing of Ventura off of other releases because uh, it, was, it was partially so they wanted to owe Jesse anything. And uh, they really uh, – I remember getting this one VHS like around, around like two years after, after this point. It was like Best WrestleMania Matches, which had Steins versus – Hedrickers versus Steins on it for some reason. I have no idea why. But it also had Savage and Steamboat and Hogan and Andre, with dubbed over commentary by Monsoon and Stan Lane. Wow. Oh, wow. That is not a gift I'm, you want. I mean, I, I like Stan Lane and everything, but come on. You need Jesse there. Look at the size of the Giants. Come I remember now. the call where uh, when uh, Monsoon said, Hogan's six foot ten, and Ventura going, well, Andre is seven foot five. <laughs> <laughs> what? No. Well, it is larger than life pro wrestling. Exactly, exactly. So whilst that is happening with Ventura and, and Titan Sports, The Undertaker is not on this episode of Raw. He is currently in Japan. Uh, he is getting uh, the PR machine a whirring for Japan ahead of uh, their big shows over there. Uh, Yokozuna, Bret Hart, Randy Savage, Tatanka, Bigelow, Michaels, Adam Bomb, Doink the Clown, 123Kid, The Head Shrinkers, Smoking Guns, Owen Hart, Lex Luger, and Backland, uh, along with several uh, of the Japanese performers there, will be a part of whoa, that whoa. big tour as well. Well, well Tommy, you just lied to the people right there. Did I? Yes, Tigger's dead, remember? He uh... died at the Royal Rumble. Okay, Brian Lee is in Japan. Thank you. <laughs> Imagine, do you reckon then when he goes to the airport, they won't let him on the plane? Because, like, mate, this is blatantly a dead man's passport. <laughs> it was like Tigger's Krusty and Brian Lee's Homer as Krusty. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you both go through the loop together. <laughs> what did, um, what did the, uh, what did the Japanese audience make of Yokozuna, do you reckon? I, I'm not really sure to be honest with you. I mean, I, I mean, he's I mean, he's not Japanese, but he, I mean, he was playing a Polynesian Samoan whatever who became a sumo champion because you don't have, you don't have to be Japanese to be a sumo champion necessarily. But they just kept saying, you know, he's from Japan. Although 
I don't know if they ever, ever, ever actually said that he is Japanese specifically. Ah, but they, had, they always said he was just from Japan. But they, but they did a. Uh, but they never said he was he was really anything else. Like like he, he's an American from San Francisco who became a sumo champion and has embraced the culture. Never said that. That's very true. That's very true. It's uh, uh it's being ecumenical with the truth, as I suppose they were, which would probably make a bit more sense. He's the six hundred pound Japanese experience. <laughs> that's what it is that's what it is so uh on to this week's episode of monday night raw the first time that we've ever been live after a wrestlemania i do believe correct because last year's show was in the can from from two weeks earlier and they were just dubbing over a new commentary to hinting at what happened on the show and now at this point in time we're, we're still not in the Modern era of post-WrestleMania Rawls where it's a raucous crowd that flew in from around the world. They fill a big 20,000-seat arena, and they're nuts for everything with their soccer chants and their and their sort of hijacking of the shows. This is a – it's a very typical docile Monday Night Raw crowd from 1994. We did get some nice surprise returns. We did. Not the sort of returns, you know, no, we're, we're quite quite far away from the NXT debuts after WrestleMania, but we did get some big returns, you could say, on this particular episode. Are you saying it, are you saying that they didn't call up the Bushwhackers from NXT at this point? <laughs> they were, they were, um, they were massive. They were big, do you know what I think is the Bushwhackers, they were technical legends in NXT. They put on 35 minute absolute barnstormers of demolition. They came up here and they just reduced them to the battering ram. It was very sad. Yes, they were known as the Undisputed Error. <laughs> <laughs> the song, da 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 I can see Butch and Grant and Kyler Riley being related. We're not a million miles away. Oh, that's mean. We're not a million miles away from that kind of being a thing because before they came to the WWF, the Bushwhackers were indeed a more edgy act as the Sheep Herders. Oh, yes. They were a very violent tag team. They had some... Very gory barbed wire matches with the Fantastics, Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers back in the uh, territory days. They were sort of like ECW before ECW. But they made their most money licking heads and using using one as a battering ram. That was where they made their big money. Well, life is strange. Exactly. So uh, over to you, sir. Let's 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 get through an episode of Monday Night Raw together. Well, keep in mind this is the day after the perhaps the biggest WrestleMania ever to this point. Not in terms of crowd size, but in terms of overall action. Later on in the show, when Stan Lane uh, voices over and says this is the greatest WrestleMania of all time, he may not be wrong. At, at, at this at this point in time, it's either this or three, depending on your, your taste and how you feel. I could go either way on it, but I'd probably still lean toward three just for the crowd and the Intercontinental title match. Yeah, I feel and like I would as well. And, and of course, Hulk Andre, just um, the, the sheer magnitude of it. But, I mean, if this is second place, it ain't second by much. So the show starts off with no highlights, no exposition for what happened yesterday afternoon, no cold opening, just straight to the intro, which is a bit unusual given the auspiciousness of the previous day. Mm. That, it, it just feels like any old role at this point. The only big – I mean, Vince McMahon sounded up for it. Like His voice was <laughs> shot to pieces from WrestleMania, but uh, he sounded oh, like he God. was up for it. Vince's voice on this show – 
He sounds like he was gargling razor blades for like six hours before showtime. He sounds like my voice from the other week when my voice just completely gave out for several videos. Bless him. <laughs> yeah, Vince is pressing on after saying blast off into the next decade a million times during the final match. <laughs> and Vince is here with the all-time great Macho Man Randy Savage, which is slang for he ain't ever going to wrestle on TV again. Oh, it's sad, isn't it? It's sad. And, and Savage is still going on about how he could have been champion at this point if, if Crush had just not interfered in his business. He could have beaten Yoko and then gone on to beat Luger and Brett in, in, in that two-match parlay. I kind of thought that was a bit off offside from Savage because it just it's that thing of, you no know, push ahead to the great stuff that happened at WrestleMania. Don't bang on about... Um, oh, I would have been me if it hadn't been for this that happened weeks ago. McMahon was able to sort of turn it around and make it relevant again, but it just, I thought, a bit off color for Savage. Well, I think Vince felt a little blindsided by it because I don't think he has any real plans to do anything with Savage at this point. Like, eh, we use you for mania, now go sit down. Well, you will. We'll, we'll, we'll revisit that statement at the end of the show, shall we? Uh, a little bit, because Savage uh... does give... Gets a little physically involved. Mm-hmm. We'll see if that goes somewhere. And we kick off the new era of WWE, this new generation, with Bret Hart on top. And uh, it, it's the new decade, blasting off in the, new, in the new decade, as Vince incessantly said at the end of WrestleMania 10, with the Quebecers versus the Bushwhackers in a non-title match. Oh, yes. Welcome to the future. Welcome to the future. <laughs> Bushwhackers look great, though. They look like they hadn't aged a day. Well, because they've always been like 50 years old. Exactly. <laughs> they were born 50. They just walked out of the woods one day doing the march. <laughs> they, they were never actually just born. They were like like two woodland creatures. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, this was a peculiar way to, to start your new generation with the Bushwhackers. I wrote in my notes, Bushwhackers don't even have hats. Budget cuts are a bitch. <laughs> I never, never thought about that. They lost their hats, didn't they? Never even crossed my mind. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it just isn't right. It's like Randy Savage without his sunglasses. Oh. Raven does the cabbage patches, maybe, which makes me happy. The first however many minutes of this match are just Bushwhacker-style comedy. A lot of biting, a lot of ass-biting. Quebecers do a do see do that fails, or an Alaman left, whatever that is. And I realized this match, it's like WrestleMania Five, but with Pierre replacing Ray Rougeau. It is, isn't it? It is. So, again, your new generation, your new era. Here's a match, that's three quarters of which was from WrestleMania five years ago. <laughs> Except with uh, Raven replacing Jimmy Hart and Randy Savage not wrestling. Very, yeah, yeah, you, you're pretty much there. You're pretty much there. Five years ago, Savage was in the main event of, of the most bought WrestleMania in history to that point. Now he's just stuck at the commentary desk. No, now he's an all-time great. Yes, he's uh, he's got a foot in the grave, according to Vince. <laughs> we keep giving him gold watches. He won't leave. <laughs> <laughs> Savage got a trunk full of watches he's selling. Check it out, they're hot. <laughs> he keeps signing me off, but I keep coming back in. I'm just doing it for the watches at this point. John, John, 
Hello, mate. I haven't worked you very hard last couple of weeks. So, John, uh, I would like Randy a Photoshop, please, of Randy Savage at a at a car boot sale slash a flea market selling a whole load of watches. <laughs> Vince is giving me so many watches that it went to the Bushmaker's hat budget. <laughs> Oh, the Bushwhackers are furious. They start wearing some of the gold watches on their heads. And and if you want to know just how bad but how bad the budget hits are at this point, we have some master tape issues during this match. No, no, no. This is only the work of the Fiend. If I know anything from wrestling <laughs> in 2019, this is the Fiends doing. All right, for those of you who haven't watched this episode, there's about 30 seconds during the course of this match during the alleged heat segment where the where the uh, the video, the, the picture just goes out. It's sort of like, how would you describe the, how it faded out? It was, it, was, it was like the picture kind of smeared a little bit. It smeared, it got distorted. then it kind of crackled, then it went completely dark. And you then still it hear just, Vince. You could, hear, you could still hear comms. I think there were problems with commentary as well. I felt like Savage was sort of dipping in and out all night. So there was there was certainly some technical unrest on this particular evening. I think somebody spilled some like Icopro protein powder on on the master tape of this episode. I kind of hoped that, as, as opposed to it being an Icopro based disaster, that there is that they've had this ingenious idea in the WWE to really integrate the Fiend character and to just to pick random old episodes from the archives of the network for a little while and just insert little Fiend based shenanigans in different places. Like you're watching the Chai Town Rumble, suddenly it just starts getting all, all choppy and, and crunchy, and then you see very briefly a Fiend pop up before we go back to the matches. Well, now I'm paranoid because. You know, we made fun of the Fiend's father on commentary about two months ago. He could be haunting this very podcast. He could be. Uh... I mean, we did take IRS to the cleaners for just being the most boring commentator this side of a science class skeleton. Well, hopefully he's not doing anything particularly dull on this episode for us to take the Michael out of him with. You know what? I'm still going to make fun of him. I don't care. Yeah, we ain't scared. It's during this part of the show that Vince apologizes for no 10-man tag at WrestleMania 10, but promises that it'll take place in two weeks, a fortnight. The problem is, I, I don't mind, but at WrestleMania, Men on a Mission did assure me that this one's in the bag. Uh, yes. Um, How'd it get out of well, the bag? How'd it fall out of the bag? Well, it was... It's a very loose bag because of the budget cuts. We have to use flimsy ones. Yeah, very flimsy bags in the baggage area. Very upset. So hopefully now in two weeks' time, it's definitely in the bag. Yes, hopefully. Uh, although I, I can assure you that through the taping of this episode, of, of three episodes of Raw on, on this night, the 10-man tag does take place. Good. That's fine then. It's definitely in the bag and it's in the can. The bag is in the can. <laughs> which, sounds like, which sounds like it's trash. Well... We'll wait and see the match. <laughs> Very well, then. I was happy to see Butch hit a five-knuckle shuffle at one point. That was amazing. That was class. That was uh, yeah. what a little movie to bust out. John Cena making it out somewhere. John Cena stole his camouflage and his trucker caps in the five-knuckle shuffle from Bushwhacker Butch. Oh, my God. John Cena is a Bushwhacker. <laughs> Bushwhacker John. John! You know what to do, John. <laughs> <laughs> Dun, 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 yay. <laughs> dun, dun, yay. That is all yours to do with what you will, John. John's had a couple of weeks off doing Photoshops for our podcast, so I feel like we should uh, actually load him up. 
Actually, he did one for me the other day, spur of the moment. Did he? Uh, yes. Uh, you know editor Andrew from uh, Cultaholic? Yes. He had a rather funny moment when we were conversing. I'm going to say privately, but he asked me a question about one of my scripts, and he uh, he literalized something that made me laugh. And so I had John uh, do a Photoshop to commemorate Andrew's little uh, misunderstanding. Shall, <laughs> shall I explain it? Yes, please. Okay, by the time you uh, hear this, the um, the Cultaholic feature in question may have been released. It's uh, We're doing a bit. It's um, Actually, you know, I, I'm, I won't even reveal what it is. But I'll say this. I made reference to Frankie Kazarian and his very brief time with WWE in 2005 that a lot of people don't even remember. And at one point, I talk about Kazarian's cup of coffee with the E. Now, Tom, if I'm saying the E, what am I referring to here? Uh, Big E Langston, obviously. Okay, but seriously. (laughs) Uh, WWE. Correct. So, Andrew, who is a great kid and a very talented editor... I must say that much about him. <laughs> I love the guy. He messaged me to say he's a little confused because he can't. He thinks the E might mean Robbie E. And he can't find any reference to him working in WWE at any point. And he, and he, he can't find any same in which Kazarian had a cup of coffee with anybody. Oh, what? Um, so now, Tom, if, if I were to say that Kazarian had a cup of coffee with some sort of entity what is that referencing it what am i saying he, it means well I'm, I'm an old grizzled veteran like you are and i know that means he was there for just a short amount of time correct so he's trying to find this mythical segment where kazarian is, is, is sipping java with somebody called the e perhaps robbie e. <laughs> <laughs> there are many e's but this one is mine but no um <laughs> so See, i had a hearty chuckle at that this is this is basically the, the interactions that myself and yourself have with Sydney uh, from the Cultaholic Discord, but in the real office workspace. Because it's once again, like, them young'uns not understanding our old lexicon. <laughs> I mean, people still drink coffee today. Isn't that still like a common slang for you I, know, I, an all-too-brief period with? I mean, I certainly use it, but more often than not, it's almost like... Like I think the 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 phrase like the, the idea of having a, cof- a cup of coffee with whatever is normally to have a figurative literal cup of, or a literal cup of coffee. I, I think it's one of those phrases that doesn't get used enough, and I think it's one of those phrases that we should bring back in the same way that I pioneered bringing back the phrase shenanigans. We should most definitely try and bring back a cup of coffee for the sake of Andrew, uh, one of our fabulous uh, video editors here at Cultaholic. Yes, once a week going forward, we had to say cup of coffee with just to. Uh... In case Andrew listens to this show, I don't know if he does, but it'd be beneficial for his young wrestling education to uh, to hear us talk about cups of coffee, so that he can, you know, commit it to memory and, and learn how idioms work. If Andrew or James or Owen or Richard from Cultaholic listen to that, listen to this podcast. Those are four names that you probably don't hear associated with Cultaholic, but they are our incredible team of video editors that work behind mm-hmm. the scenes and and they deserve all the love in the world because a lot of the times if most of the times there's incredible videos that you watch the lists that you watch some of the news videos we put out it's them bad boys that are bringing our nonsense to life and they they deserve they deserve more than a cup of coffee <laughs> as, yes. as gratitude from us yes all great kids and all and in truth the heart of the operation absolutely absolutely more love to them and I'm just busting Andrew's balls. He knows this. Oh, Andrew's class. Don't worry about it. He's fine with it. Don't worry about it. 
Anyway, speaking of balls, this match is utterly balls. Oh, it's, isn't it dreadful? Did you enjoy the worst ever, oops, I accidentally hit my partner? You know, behind uh, Lex Luger doing it in the Doomsday Cage. Uh, yeah, it, it is kind of in slow motion because it is the Bushwhackers and you, uh, you kind of have to expect that. They're not really uh, the most physically nimble guys, especially at this point in their career. And Savage has the balls at one point to say the action has been at a fever pitch. <laughs> I have a fever in a pitch as opposed to a fever pitch. I would, would be more accurate. I, I think what was great was during this match, Vince reminds us that we can get WrestleMania results from the previous day by calling the WWF hotline. Boy, did the internet... First off, let me just say, boy, did the internet ruin this. Oh, really? <laughs> can you imagine a time, especially like in this day and age where we have information available at our fingertips... I can refresh Wikipedia every 10 minutes and figure out who won the last match on the show that I'm not even watching because somebody has posted it. Like, here it is, 9 o'clock on a Monday night. If you want to find out who won between Leilani Kai and Lundra Blaze, it's only $1.99 for the first minute. Just call this number. <laughs> this, like, how primitive is this? That is, that is something special. That is something very special. This is some Oregon Trail stuff here. This is like... <laughs> Like, wait, it took people that long to travel across country? Wait, it took people that long to call a hotline and and, and find out results? We, uh, we we get into the stuff with the WWF Network a little bit later on that I'm very excited about. So, Raven hits Butch in the head. Pierre pins Butch with a charting knee to the back. Then after the match, Vince interviews the three. He's talking to the Quebecers and his fellow future ECW champion, Raven. That, that just cracks me up. Vincent Raven featuring instead of your champions. That is a weird, it is a weird time. It is a weird time. And Raven, while still selling his throat from getting knocked into the guardrail, and he's selling it vigorously, I should point out, talks about how they're going to take on anybody, which is interrupted by Super Mario, a.k.a. Captain <laughs> Lou Albano. He's always going to be Super Mario to me. I don't care. Through the Mario, swing your arms. <laughs> um, he says... So since Raven says that, you know, Quebecers will take on anybody, Abandon wants to make sure that he's a man of his word and says, I'll put a team together for them to face. Will they accept? And will it be for the belts? And the three confer and say, yeah, sure, why not? It'll be for the belts. So Abandon's going to have a tag team for the Quebecers to face, evidently. I'll tell you what gives it away that this is this is now a block of tapings and and i i and it's again this is this is brave new world for wrestling at this point the idea of having live shows and then like a, a block of tapings i know we did that bit with superstars but then those are just sort of like encapsulated matches as opposed to uh like storyline driven stuff as much as raw is because we've got mm -hmm. lou albano who's talking saying if i could put together a tag team will you put the belts on the line and albano is gesturing to the back and then the Quebecers are going, yeah, you go get a tag team, which which suggests like that's going to happen like in a minute, which is mm -hmm. a live crowd. It is. But then Vincent Mann is the one that literally, I think the last one of the last things he says is next next week. They'll do that because they all because mm -hmm. that was just something that I noticed. You don't see that happening these days with big blocks of tapings because we've got it down to a fine art now. I kind of miss the taping format, though, but of course, I'm just, I'm just an old fogey like that. How excited are you, fellow old fogey, <laughs> about NWA Power next week? Oh, my God. It's, once I saw the photo of the actual studio, 
with just a very simple logo on, on the banner around the ring. I'm like, oh my goodness. This is this, all our dreams, isn't it? It feels like Crockett, like like the, like the most minute detail. I just and it's do you know what and I and more power no pun intended to the NWA mm. for doing it like this. So they mm. they've seen NXT, which is like this 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 big production, AEW, which is an even bigger production, fireworks, pyro, lasers, da da da. And they've gone, we can't compete money wise. So you know what? Let's make something that feels so different. Let's go to a sound stage. Let's put the interview area on the one side. Let's put a ring in the middle and the crowd facing the. Oh, it just looks so good. I'm genuinely buzzing for NWA power. If I had told you 15 years ago that the man who was going to restore tradition to pro wrestling. Was the man who sang, despite all my rage, I am still just a rat in a cage. Would you believe me? I would not have believed you for a second, my friend. Billy Corgan, of all people. I mean, hey, more power to him. I love the Smashing Pumpkins, and I love old NWA, so this is double win. Fair play to Billy. Big love to Billy. <sighs> so we have a WrestleMania 10 video with Stan Lane narrating, which feels very, very weird. Speaking of old NWA guys, mm-hmm. although he's already calling uh, Sean Razor one of the all-time great matches, and that is apropos. Yeah, like it was, it was evident immediately that the, that what had just happened was transcendent. If there was something about it, I mean, like we we took the Mickey on that entire commentary track that we recorded, which you can get on the podcast now, and you can watch WrestleMania with myself, Justin, and Matthew Gregg. We took the Michael for most of that, but I noticed there was a distinct drop off in Michael taking during that match because even now it feels like a special match. Oh yeah, it's just Sean took every bump imaginable, and in 1994, the bumps he was taking were just like you know ahead of their time. Like every ladder match since then has kind of you know aped that match to a degree because it, it it set the template, and Sean had no problem pinballing off of every one of Scott Hall's strikes and throws, and Sean took a beating in that match, and boy did he get himself over doing it. He just bounced around like a pinball, and made history in doing so. If you had to make the Mount Rushmore of wrestlers who got who who became stars after losing a match, it's got to be Sean in this match. Austin against Brett at Mania 13, Mankind and Hell in a Cell against Undertaker, and I'm not sure what the fourth one would be. Uh, Barry Harwitz against Candido. No, he won that match. But didn't he lose one first? No, he beat Candido first time out. Oh, I thought he lost one, then he won one. And of all things, you pick that. <laughs> um, let me have a let me have a genuine a genuine think on what that would have been. Uh, so Maybe the t- who lost. If I had to go like the territory days, I'd, I'd go DiBiase in Mid-South when he faced Ric Flair while after he was attacked beforehand and busted wide open by Dick Murdoch, and he tried to valiantly fight back and couldn't quite do it. Oh, I like that one. That was nice. Big fan of that uh, one. If else was made by a loss? Um, made by a loss. Uh, I'm Adam Pacitti from Cultaholic.com, and here are 10 superstars that were made by a loss. Join us. <laughs> Hello, I'm Adam Bacchini from Cultaholic.com, <laughs> and here are 10 wrestlers who are made by a loss. Join us. <laughs> you sound a bit like um, uh, Jameson when you do that impression. I want my glasses. <laughs> I can't see, goddammit. Wait, that's jerky boys. Where do I get my hands on that genius? I'm going to thrash him. I, I, I think Jameson was the inspiration for the jerky boys bit. And I'll bring all my glasses. <laughs> 
Sal Rosenberg. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna get back to you on who was made by a loss because I because I think you picked some of the ones I probably would have would have picked myself there, but uh, uh, I'm gonna come back to you on that one because I think that's quite an interesting topic. I mean, goddamn, mankind literally died for our sins in, in the match he was in. Oh, didn't he just? Didn't he just? Ever guess Taker was the one who, who won the match. It was just mankind's one man show of dying over and over again. Jeez. So speaking of dying, we go to the IRS bit. <laughs> oh, mate, we are we are blessed with IRS tonight. He is trying to flex his comic muscle here. He it's just him sitting at desk giving reasons why to pay taxes, reasons why we're all tax sheets. And they're just kind of like out of order, and he's like, like reason number forty six why you're a tax sheet because you want to see the national debt go up. <laughs> Very Letterman ish. I like the fact that he, if you watch this bit, it looks like he's reading uh, his scripts that's just slightly off to the one side. That was all I noticed from this was like his eyes would catch the glaze of the camera every so often, but quite often they were looking to the to the, to the side. Like I think he, I think he must have had something written down there, or whether he was trying to avert the gaze of the camera. Lest anyone forget, this man is the father of the genius behind Firefly Funhouse and the Fiend. Daddy of the Fiend. His wife must be the most charismatic person in the world. <laughs> I'd love to know what Mike Rotunda makes of the Fiend. I bet he must be over the moon, like his son is just captivated the wrestling world in this way he must have married like carol burnett or something <laughs> yeah it's the yeah uh, he didn't get he didn't get the uh that gene from from uh from irs did he no microtone the as fine of a technician as he is and 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 i always like the irs deep down but uh, it's just some of his promo work he kind of just exposes how boring the character actually was mm-hmm <laughs> It's no bright, let's put it that way. Oh, jeez, no chance. IRS is Funhouse. John! IRS is Funhouse. <laughs> IRS is not so Funhouse. <laughs> We're really glad you paid your tax. And now here's a promo that is really lax. Thank you. Well done, mate. Well done, mate. <laughs> it, it, it was written by 28 writers who are hacks. <laughs> <laughs> you may like Smash, but I prefer Axe. Hey! Hey, okay, end it there, because you end on a high. End on a high. Yes, yes. Tatanka versus Chris Hamrick. Yes! Chris Hamrick from off of ECW! This yes. is cool! The man is nicknamed Chris Hamrick in ECW. He was part of the company in the later days. He was part of a stable called Hot Commodity, where every, every wrestler had some sort of like money connotation to their name. There was Easy Money, who was a pretty damn dynamic high flyer. He had Julio De Niro, which is the Spanish word for money. So for Chris Hamrick, because he's from the South, they came up with Confederate Currency Chris Hamrick. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. He Which may not very... be the most uh, tasteful name in the world, but... He has a very special place in my heart, does Chris Hamrick. Because... Is it for... Is it for the bump he takes in this match and against the one two three kid? It is not, no. It is because um, way before uh, Extreme Warfare Revenge, the wrestling simulator came out, mm-hmm. we had a game called TNM7. Hell yeah. allowed you to be a wrestling booker. Mm-hmm. Chris Hamrick was my world heavyweight champion. <laughs> TNM7. Why? I can't even remember why. And I just... I, I wish I could tell you why I decided that I was going to put Chris Hamrick in. I guess I must just, you must have just been who I could afford. You had quite high stats. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Chris I mean, Hamrick. Chris Hamrick, to look at him, you see someone who idolized Ricky Morton. He looked very Morton-esque here, didn't he? He looked like Ricky Morton, and he, t- he takes bumps like a freaking champ. As, as evident in this match, but, but first, for, before we get the Chris Hammers one-man show here, Vince has, Vince updates us on the IRS Tatanka storyline by saying the IRS gave Tatanka a gift tax form for the headdress. <laughs> and if this company has marketed the kids, what kid is going to care about gift taxes? Well, well, the fact that IRS is evil and, and, and it's IRS trying to stop Tatanka having something nice. Have closed down or something. Like, I mean, I mean, like, like, I don't. At ten years old, I didn't know how gift taxes worked. I'd really do it. Thirty-five. That's a good it's show. Just, it's just like, I think Vince had to pay gift tax on something at some point in his life. He was pissed off about it, so he stayed out in the storyline. Grab the evil guy. I'll love you a gift tax on the Tonka. <laughs> I think <laughs> Vince just generally gets quite upset with all of that, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, if the stories are true, apparently Hunter Hearst Helmsley was based on his snotty neighbors in Greenwich who didn't like him moving into the neighborhood. Yeah, I remember hearing that story as well. And I assume T.L. Hopper is based on a, a plumber who once screwed him over on the bill. <laughs> Isaac Yankum, bad bad experience with the dentist. <laughs> I eat a lot of protein and a crap big piece of pal. <laughs> <laughs> so he, here you have Chris Hammer who is bumping like a rag doll. As if his job depended on it. And he takes this amazing bump at one point in the match. Him and Tatanka sort of sort of counter each other on like an Irish whip attempt. And Hammer charges at him feet first. Tatanka sidesteps. And Hammer slides in between the top and middle rope to the floor. Almost breaking his tailbone on the outside. Not even hitting the ropes. Like, like he, th- he threw a drop kick at a ghost and missed. I feel like he's done that before, or I've seen that done before. Like, there's a GIF, I'm sure, that does the rounds of that. Yes, it was him versus the one, two, three kid. Yeah, there it is. And he, he charges kid, kid kicks his legs out from underneath him, and Hammer flies through the ropes doing the same thing. 
That's the one. That's the one. He's. He, do you know what? What a reckless son of a gun doing stuff like that. <laughs> he was. Uh, it was starting to become on Vogue a little bit more. The indie guys who uh, took just the craziest and craziest of bumps. I mean, hey, Sean Waltman got a job, and he took some amazing bumps in his career. So since uh, since one two three kid opened that door, maybe uh, perhaps a few more guys could uh, you know. Sneak in and get jobs out of this by being bump machines. Other kid is more than just a bump machine, obviously. Exactly. He's, he's got a lot more psychology to his work, and he's one of the best underdog wrestlers ever. So Hamrick is just – he's getting beaten and beaten for like 12 minutes in this match, it feels like. Tatanga applies an arm twist about, about six minutes in. This is the longest squash match I've ever seen in my life. It does go on, doesn't it? Yes, it's like they missed the exit about four times. Like, Hamrick is like, he, he's, as you would say, cream cracker at this point. And the tongue is just beating him down. And here's an arm twist. And we're back to, like, starting the freaking square one here. Why Hamrick do you think mouth- this is so long? Is this just, like, bad road agenting? It could be that. Or, or, or could we... See, I had a thought. Maybe the maybe the open match, Bushbackers versus Quebecers, was, like, supposed to go like, at least five minutes longer. Maybe. Okay, now they're just filling they're extending, yeah, possibly. It could be. I mean, it's just an idea. Like, add a couple minutes onto this. The tongue is like, crap, I'm out of ideas. I've, I, I've already hit you with a thunder fire power bomb, and I've hit you with the burning hammer. Now it's time for an armbar. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I guess it's the whole thing because they're um, because they're, they're live. They're still trying to find the size with getting the, the timing right. So, yeah, maybe if the match went under, they've had to drag this one out. Either way, Hamrick, uh, he tries to mount a comeback, which is just the prelude to the Tonka doing the war dance, and the end of the trail finishes. It was fun for a while, but then it just ran out of steam. Yeah, it didn't really... It, it, I like seeing Hamrick. Nice to see him there. And it just mm-hmm. sort of meandered, and it was there to make the Tonka look good, and Hamrick made the Tonka look like a force. But it mm-hmm. could it could have been five minutes less. How did Hamrick not get a job out of this? I don't know, because he was a, he was a machine in this. Like you say, like he was bumping around, like his like his job depended on it. It kind of did, because he was trying to get work. And it just he's just such a such a great seller. I think at this point, I think if I'm living in Vince McMahon's mind, which is probably a, a dangerous place to be, um, mm-hmm. I reckon he probably took a look at Hamrick and went, "He's too small. He's thin. He's." He's like he didn't have much muscle definition or anything like he's that. Kind of, he had a bit of a mullet he, going on, and he is kind of pale. Yeah, he could have done with a bit of an overhaul look-wise yeah. going into the new generation. At least Sean Waltman had a tan, and he looked a little bit had a bit more definition to his look, even though he was very very thin. It is aesthetic, and I could see why maybe Vince would have passed on Hamrick. Put him yeah. under a mask or something, though. Yeah, you could have done something with him if you were if you were clever with it. But uh, hey, look, he got. He got all the love he needed in in my version of TNM Seven, so that's all that matters. It's you know, Hamrick. I was, I was gonna say Hamrick was in TNA briefly under a mask in two thousand two. Was he? You know what his name was? Oh God, go on. Crimson Dragon. <laughs> For real? I'm I'm not making this up. Go look it up. Crimson Dragon. So Chris Hamrick can play, you know, a mysterious masked man if he, if he just put a mask on him. <laughs> Crimson Dragon. I'm just googling him now, uh, just out of interest. 
and I'm, I'm getting links to the video game Crimson Dragon. <laughs> okay, put in Crimson Dragon Chris Amber. <laughs> <laughs> Make it might, easier on yourself. Which might suggest why we uh, why he didn't continue. There might have been a lawsuit pending or something like that. Um, <laughs> which might have been... Right, okay, Chris Hamrick. Robbed them all of his Confederate currency, the, the courts did. I mean, that's true. <laughs> uh, oh, okay, right. I mean, it's not a bad look. No, yeah, but I mean, it's just... It's still his Chris Hamrick gear, like the like the, the, the red the red leather uh, Eddie Murphy from Raw get-up. <laughs> now, there's a thought. There has... Chris Hamrick doesn't stand up. Oh, Jesus. God love him. But uh, there you go. Incidentally, uh, you popped when I said TNM7. I assume you've played it yourself. Oh, yes. I I would just have put, put 50... Put 50 men into a Royal Rumble and, just, and watch to see who won if I, if I was bored enough. Like, <laughs> hey, look at that. The winner's uh, Ahmed Johnson. He threw out a jobber Tom Stone to win it. <laughs> That's, that sounds like a great Rumble. It was tremendous. First one gone was John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, this is for the Inter- Intergalactic World Championship. We're going uh, to have the Malkies take on Space Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I want to book your company. I want to work for you. Is it? I want to work for you. I need some sponsors. We need to finance this. So we have Pentagon doing the post WrestleMania report. They show Ronda Shear at ringside, who's having a great time. Is she Perhaps drunk? Too great. It's possible. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, who, I mean, who am I to you know judge someone's uh, demeanor like that? I, I, I just want to get to the next match now. No, 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 because, because before you do, before you do, I want to quickly pull up Todd Pattingill on this, who's doing his final WrestleMania, uh, his WrestleMania report, and he says, if I had a dollar for every limo I saw, I'd be a millionaire. Todd Pattingill saw a million limousines leaving Madison Square Garden. Well, yeah, they were having the uh, 24 hours of Le Mans or whatever it is outside the... <laughs> Oh, so it was just it was... the same three, like over and over. Again. Yes. Limoas, twenty-four hours. <laughs> so, uh, so. Next Come on one. then. Come on then. You have been like I had a message from Justin uh, when I woke up this morning. I think it was when I woke up this morning. Every day is blurred mm-hmm. into one this week. Thanks, mm-hmm. wrestling. Um, I had a message off you saying, "Wait till you see who Diesel's facing." <laughs> And uh, mate, you didn't disappoint me. Uh, I'm gonna shut up and let you let you steer this bad boy. Diesel versus Ken Lucia. <laughs> now, a lot of these jobbers, I remember because someone went on the greater fame, like Glenn Ruth or Dwayne Gill or whoever. Some of them are, are just standard jobbers of the day, like Steve Lombardi or Reno Riggins or whoever. But sometimes we get the ones that I just don't remember. And I didn't remember Ken Lucia, so in my mind's eye, I'm, I'm picturing that, like 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 any Ken I know when I see this guy's name. It's like, okay, like I have an uncle Ken. I, I work for the guy named Ken. Ken Raper. This is a different Ken. <laughs> yes, there was a jobber named Ken Raper at one point, which is a <laughs> interesting name. I'm friends with him on Facebook, actually. Your friends? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Stop, stop! Right, mate, you cannot drop a bombshell like that and just move on. <laughs> You cannot. You cannot drop a bombshell like that and move on. You're friends with Ken Raper. And for some reason, his photo is Matt Hardy on the lawnmower. <laughs> Mate, why is he not on our show? 
because he hasn't come up in the rotation yet. So... <laughs> We're going to work up to that point. I want Rapers half hour immediately. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh, gosh. Get Ken Raper on here. I'm excited. I mean, but honestly, promise me, promise me, promise me. When we, if we do get, if we do get a Ken Raper sighting uh, on Monday Night Raw, you will extend the invite for him to join us. I will. I will do my best. Yes. Come on, Ken Raper. All I can do is my best. Good. Right, that's all so, we can so, do. So back to this Ken. Sorry, back Ken, to the main Ken. Ken Lucia, who is apparently wrestled under the name Emilio Alcia before. <laughs> This guy looks like a cross between Norman Smiley and Jimmy Snooker. He is he is a, an interesting experiment. Is <laughs> Ken Lucia? I like the fact I googled I, I did I did a bit of research and there is very little about him as you found out I believe as well. I found <laughs> the the other the other name for him which is Amelia Luce Amelie Lucia. Emilio Alcia, I think it was Alcia. And I love the fact that he went to a booker and he went. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, you bully me as Ken Lucia, and I think it might be a bit difficult to say. Okay, you could be Emilio or Lucia. No, the Ken bit was fine. It was the other bit that, ah, oh, never mind. Why'd you reverse the U and the L? For fun. He has a scullet. He's about five foot seven, and he's wearing cheetah print tights. <laughs> he is an experiment. He might have, he's like someone hit random on the creative wrestle on a video game. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, you wouldn't expect him to turn up as one of those generic guys in the my career mode on WWE 2K. When I'm going to check right now and see if this guy had any more. Oh, he, this is only match 1994. Damn it. Uh, he, he only needs one match. He made enough money off the, this match to retire early. Yes, he was the one who set Diesel on his path of destruction. He, put, he made enough money to buy the Broken Skullet Ranch where he lives to this day. <laughs> Ken, if Ken Lucia is still out there, I hope he's doing well. Oh, big love, Ken. I'm watching like 1 o'clock in the morning, and I will spit my drink out when I saw this guy. <laughs> what the hell? What is What a choice. Like, I, I, I know that a lot of the times, like the enhancement lads that are knocking around at the end of a show, uh, for a mm. show, are just guys from the local area who are just yes. looking for a bit of work. So they kind of mince around backstage waiting for the opportunity to, to do some work. Like, I just wonder, like, because they would have gone, okay, all these guys have turned up. Who's that guy there with the skullet? Who's five foot nothing? Oh, that's Ken. All right, get Ken out there. He's fighting Diesel. <laughs> He's the Prince of Poughkeepsie, Ken Lucia. Is it? Of course. Of course, the obvious thing is the King of Poughkeepsie. <laughs> he is now. I'm firing up TNM7 later. Um... He is, um, he, I think maybe because he's just this short, odd looking fellow, it makes Diesel look all the more badass and intimidating. I'm assuming that's what it was. And yeah. it's, it's definitely a size thing. It's, it's, it's kind of like how when they have like, the women's matches today, they have that one really short referee refereeing them. So that Becky and them seem like a, a little bit taller and a little bit more larger than life. It's, it is all about aesthetic. Yeah. That make it does make sense, uh, but yeah. So Diesel, Diesel looks in good form here. Big Diesel chance as well. Yeah, Diesel just you know, beating the crap out of Lucia as you'd expect. It's just a completely one-sided squash. During this match, that Savage implies that he and Ronda Shear did the wild thing together. Yeah, they yeah they they kind of give a little bit of a hint that uh, Savage had a naughty night with Ronda. Oh, more than a hint. <laughs> they uh says Savage basically. 
he's like Chris Farley, the bus driver in Billy Madison. It's like, and we got it on, if you know what I mean. <laughs> no, you didn't. Well, you can imagine what it would be like if we did. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no yelling on the bus. Anyway. Vince implies during this match that Diesel's going to challenge Razor for the Intercontinental belt soon, which is interesting because Diesel hasn't really – I mean, he's – he had the great run in the Royal Rumble match where he threw out seven guys in a row, and he's beaten up everybody's face jobber-wise, but he hasn't really wrestled much otherwise. Now all of a sudden he's contending for a belt, so obviously they're getting ready for the push now. Yeah, they're getting him all warmed up now. Yeah, they've uh, they've turned the stove on. They're 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 gonna heat him as fast as they can, and Diesel's gonna be on his way to the top very very soon. He hasn't even won a belt yet, but in eight months he'll be a triple crown champion. Scary, isn't it? How quick sometimes the ascendancy could occur. Snake Eyes hits. Vince plugs the movie Major League on USA Network, which is a great movie if you've never seen it. And then he hits the jack, and Diesel hits the jackknife on poor Ken Lucia, and that's it. Jackknife. This is so. This is the first outing of the jackknife, I do believe. I, I think you may be right. Uh, the move formerly known as the Atom Smasher from Adam Bomb. Formerly known as the Power Bomb from the guys who used the Power Bomb. <laughs> that as well. But didn't wasn't there wasn't the issue here that that Adam Bomb got the the Power Bomb taken off him now because they went we just want Kev to have it. Was that how it worked? I heard, I heard rumored innuendo uh, that there was that Adam Bomb at this point had been told he needed to change his finisher because the Adam Smasher was no longer his, and they wanted to give Kevin Nash the Jackknife Power Bomb, and they wanted to make it special, so they wanted him to be the guy that did the Power Bombs. I could believe that. Yeah, I, I could mean, believe you'll... that too. I'd be gutted if I was Adam Bomb though. I mean, you can't too many guys doing the same move. That would kind of uh, muddy the waters there. And it feels like quite a click-esque thing to do because there is this mm-hmm. there is this backstage group starting to form uh, in very, very, very early days of that. And you can kind of imagine Shawn Michaels getting in a man's ear saying, hey, that guy does a power bomb. That's going to that's gonna make Kev's look rubbish. And Vince going, you're right, pal. Bomb, do something else. <laughs> So he starts doing the Razor's Edge. Yeah, sweet chin music all around. <laughs> I, I call it the Mushroom Cloud. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> starts doing the Sharpshooter. <laughs> I, I call this radiation poisoning. <laughs> starts doing everybody else's move. It's like, fine, I'll do everything else other than a power bomb. I'm like Chris here. I have 45 million finishers. <laughs> His moveset was a bit like that, though. Like I think we've talked about it a few times with Adam Bomb. Like he has a really revolutionary moveset. Yeah, he's doing like like all these, all these agile power moves for a guy his size, yeah. like six six two ninety. He's a beast. He was a little green at times. I mean, it's a little obvious. They, they he, he but like I say transitioning from one move to the next, but he did hit some big moves that looked really cool. Yeah. So next week we have Lex Luger versus Rick the Model Martell. They bill this as Luger's angry. He is angry. So angry. He didn't win the belt. He's angry. Yeah, he was shaking Bret Hart's hand at the end of the night. He's angry. He's well angry. No, he's not. He's fine about it. He's angry. He's fighting my L. I like to imagine that Luger was okay when he left the garden at WrestleMania. He was kind of like, I'm all right. I'm all right. 
got screwed over again, didn't win the belt. I'm fine. Power positive thinking. He walks outside. And there's a parking ticket on the Lex Express. <laughs> and then and then he had the transition scene like me, myself and Irene when Jim Carrey started shaking a little bit and the evil version of himself came out. I was, it's funny because I think it's one of the first times you've had a more modern reference than I, because I was about to say he had a, he had a, a Michael Douglas falling down moment. <laughs> That's even better, actually. <laughs> Lex Luger with a flat top haircut on the golf course carrying a shotgun. <laughs> falling down is both hilarious and oddly... I'm like oddly hitting close to home at the same time. Quite often, my dad, uh, in, in years gone by in his job, has, has sometimes equated some days to having a falling down day, which is like a Michael Douglas falling down day. Like it's, something's going to something's gonna finish him off. So we have an interview with the new WWF champion, Brett the Hitman Hart, and I believe this is the birth of Pyro on Monday Night Raw. Oh, that's a good shout, actually. It never, it never occurred to me that this could be the birth of Pyro. I mean, I think maybe I just missed it before because like, I, I have pyro blindness. People complain about about how you know, like there's been no pyro for the last two years, and I go, really? I haven't noticed. Wow. Because to me, it's, it's like you know the aesthetic. The, the, like I love small aesthetic. Like I love just like a simple aisle way. People people need like like I need these big LED sets or special for pay per views. Not me. This is why I'm, we're, I'm this is why we're buzzing for NWA power. <laughs> Yes, because they have no budget. Exactly. I mean, not say they have, not say they have no budget, but it's, you know what they I have mean. no budget, mate. <laughs> <laughs> even well, bologna sandwiches are catering. Even uh, even even Jimmy said, um, "Yeah, we're excited, but uh, we we can't do it like this forever." <laughs> <laughs> He's even said, "We're looking for sponsors and uh, advertisers, so we can't do this like this forever." <laughs> <laughs> we'll hot tag for food. I love, I love, I love the blatant honesty of. We're starting a new TV show. We're starting a brand new era in NWA. Now, we can't afford it for a long time, so <laughs> you're gonna need to help us out at some point. <laughs> we need another rock star to finance it. We're bringing Eddie Vedder in. Chad Kroger's got some money. Let's take some money off Kroger. <laughs> Look at his budget cut. <laughs> Every time I do, I fall in a rut. No, better, better yet, better yet. It's like Jimmy's yeah, there going, okay, so uh, that's uh, that's the financial details. Uh, over to Chad Kroger for the ratings. Look at this graph. <laughs> it reminds me that CM Punk once had staff. <laughs> Mate, we made some classic songs today. Yes, ma'am. But speaking of classic, we have Bret Hart in his bitchin' long coat that he yeah. wore WrestleMania 10. I like the Why did he coat. keep this? I like the long coat a lot. Why did he keep this? This thing was awesome. <laughs> I think it suits him. It really does suit him. The short one makes him look a little bit preppy, but this makes him look like a badass. It's the second best coat in wrestling history behind Drew McIntyre's uh, his, uh, duster. Oh, that big leather duster's a beaut. You're forgetting, of course, the Repo Man's Dirty Mac, but that's fine. You are right. We need to make a Mount Rushmore uh, a wrestling coach. <laughs> no. I'm Adam Pachichi from Cartaholic.com, and this is 10 wrestling coats that you've forgotten. Join us. <laughs> Here are some sartorial choices for you to enjoy. <laughs> so Vince goes over the finish of the match while talking to Brett when Brett beats Yokozuna. Imagine calling the hotline for main results during the first half hour of the show, and then Vince goes in and says, here's what happened in the main event. Oh, you'd be <laughs> furious, wouldn't you? I'm not getting that seven bucks back. 
Or if you like, I don't want to ring the hotline because I don't want to know what happened. And then here comes your new champion, Bret Hart. Vince, spoilers, man. Spoilers. <laughs> God, their priorities are all over the place. They really, really are. So, so Bret... So Brett gives your typical Brett interview. You know, all challengers get a shot, including Yoko, whenever he wants his rematch. He's the fighting champion. He's going to pick up where he left off a year ago. All, all, all about Hogan's shadow over him. Well, he doesn't mention that part, but it's implied. And Vince loudly points out through his through his uh, razor blade voice that Owen cleanly pinned you yesterday. You were you were going for the victory roll, but he fell on top of you and he pinned you clean. Call the hotline. What do you think of that, Brett? What do you think of that, Brett? Let the crowd booze. The crowd boos what Vince is doing to Brett, which is um, foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. And Brett does concede that Owen beat him cleanly, but he stole the champ. And, and he goes ahead and quotes Mick Jagger, you can't always get what you want while holding the belt, but sometimes you get what you need. That was a nice and line. That's it. That was a nice line. I'm always a bit – I'm always a bit – like I was on an R a bit about Bret Hart as a as a mic piece, and he comes out sometimes with the old line, but a lot of the times I feel like he sounds bored. Uh, it's just Bret's demeanor. I think it is, is. I think it just very much is his demeanor. Yeah, Bret. You know, he's not like Mister Fake Energy. He, he he he's one of those you get what you get, and and there is sincerity to what he's saying. It's yeah, just, he's he's not going to be all you know rah rah cheerleader when he says it. That's all. Yeah, that's true. You are correct. If if Brett tried to cut a promo like The Rock, he would come off so fake. He would actually. It wouldn't suit him at all. It would not suit him at all. Yeah. So this is this is how Brett is going to be. And honestly, I think he's not a great promo, but he he comes off sincere, and and that's part of him. That's part of why he was so popular because you, because you believed him when he talked. Because he wasn't charismatic, but he was real. Yes, that's mm-hmm. what, and that's all that matters. Although when it, he compares himself to Robert De Niro and, and Hogan to Elvis, you know it's two different styles, but they're both but they're both popular for different reasons. That's a good shout. That's a good shout. I'm I'm excited by the prospect of Brett versus Owen for the title. Oh, you have no idea. Yeah. Well, actually, if, you, if, you, if you've seen the matches, then you probably uh, have. But yeah, I'm 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 just I'm playing it as if I'm watching the like I am watching a lot of these for the first time ever because this was an era mm-hmm. that I missed out on. But it's uh, at this point, I'm like, as a, as a fan trying to be in the moment, I'm like, oh, breakfast is over for the WWF Championship. Oh, yeah. Cool. Definitely. It's, it's Brett versus Owen. How can you go wrong? Mm-hmm. And speaking of how can you go wrong, we have Raven interviewing Burt Reynolds at WrestleMania. <laughs> this is ace. Burt Reynolds is <laughs> battered. Burt Reynolds <laughs> is at WrestleMania and he is hammered. Saying it's the second best time he's ever had. <laughs> Burt Reynolds. <laughs> this is this is this is in between his career peak and his rebirth with Boogie Nights. Oh. And Burt just when Burt said, "I'm happy to be here," and you are that ever so many ten, he meant it. Yeah, he, he was. He had a great night. He had a lot to drink. It's just like his eyes are rolling in the back of his head. <laughs> he just looks the way the fairies. I love it so much. And they put Raven to interview him. That was, that was made it even better. Oh, this 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 bit is just beautiful. Whatever you're doing, just just stop right now. Put on the WWE Network. Find the bit where Raven interviews Burt Reynolds at WrestleMania 10. 
You will not be disappointed. You will. You will thank us. You will thank us. If if they if they had announced during this show that Burt Rounds was next week's Raw guest commentator, I would have said Tom we're doing two shows this week. Mate, I can't we, wait to mate, watch I that double one. dip. We do two. We get straight into it. Straight amongst <laughs> it. I want Burt back. Bring back drunk Burt Reynolds. I don't want any old Burt Reynolds. I want drunk Burt Reynolds. And if we can't have that, then just give us a Norm McDonald imitating Burt Reynolds. Give us Richard from Friends. <laughs> Who I often get mixed up with Burt Reynolds. <laughs> so we come to the main event. Oh, and this is the main event. And this is the main event anywhere in Memphis. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett versus Coco Beware. The returning Coco Beware. Big pop for Beware. This really is a had, roar after WrestleMania. He, he has his bird, bird, bird music, but he's still wearing his high-energy outfit. He's, he's in a bit of a mixed place at the moment, is Coco. That would be like... That'd be like John Cena entering to The Time Is Now while wearing his prototype outfit. That's quite good. Actually, yeah, that's true. It would be, wouldn't it? Or... Or, um... Steve Austin entered into the ringmaster music. Oh, wait, he's always not the same. That doesn't work. Carry on. Well, <laughs> Austin glues on his uh, Hollywood blonde, blonde hairstyle. Yeah, that and, would. That was it. Was it? Who was it? We were talking. It might have been. I think it was on the SmackDown review with Matthew, where he talked about like they should have rolled back the years at a at uh, an ECW show and had Steve Austin come out in a blonde wig. But, like, I'm picturing that with the Steve Austin music playing. Like, this beautiful flowing blonde locks from Steve Austin who's <laughs> cussing and drinking. <laughs> da 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 Austin looks like a psychology-age Woody Harrelson. Oh, God, it's quite an image. It's quite an image. And this is quite a main event. Yeah, Savage goes on a roll here. First, making fun of Vince's sore throat. And then making fun of the suit of Nikolai Volkov, who's in the front row, wearing his uh, red and yellow striped suit that he's known for. Right, I don't, I I don't a... want too many spoilers, Justin, but is this going somewhere with Volkov? Unfortunately, yes. Uh, okay, as long as it's going somewhere. I just wasn't I... sure at this point. I love Nikolai, but unfortunately, yes. <laughs> so Savage and Vince are really putting Burt Reynolds over it, as if they were hoping to hire him for some reason. Like, come on, if, if it was Burt Reynolds versus Bam Bam at WrestleMania 11 instead of LT, I would have loved it, and so, so would you. Yeah. Burt Reynolds in in his longest yard uniform. <laughs> I'd be all right with that. Drunk, Only drunk Burt, though. Only drunk Burt Reynolds. It's like the drunken master. Yes, drunken master Burt Reynolds versus Bam Bam Bigelow. WrestleMania 11. Can you imagine the buy rate that show would have oh, That is on the horizon, isn't it? That WrestleMania. And then Burke Cash in the briefcase and beats Diesel for the belt. <laughs> that is, that blast is off it. sublime. We're going to blast off into the new decade with the guy from uh, Smokey and the Bandit as world champion. Yes. <laughs> At one point during this match, Coker throws Jared to the floor. And Jared says, and I'm quoting here, Dad Gummit, he pulled my hair. <laughs> Dad Gummit! What I hadn't, I don't think I've ever heard Dad Gummit used on a wrestling show, and I don't think I ever will again. And a guy who Jared was like in his twenties at this point. Had it been some like eighty year eighty year old old prospector, I could see Dad Gummit, but not from flowing locks, Jeff Jarrett. Dad Gummit. It's an odd look. It's a very odd look. <laughs> Jarrett's an old soul. 
So this match is as basic as it gets. It, it is, it, it's as milk toasty as milk toast can be. And Vince gets so bored during this match that all of a sudden he goes, Oh, um, how about what Mr. What Mr. Perfect did yesterday to Lex Luger? Like, the, he's reminding himself to keep the audience engaged. Like, he, it's like he's going into a lull. Oh, perfect. But yeah, he did something yesterday. It was like noticeable boredom on his part. And then we go right to the finish, which Coco, he's, he's supposed to duck his head for the for Jared hit the running DDT. There's a noticeable lull there. There was. Like, time stands still for about three seconds. Coco goes, okay, and then he ducks the head. And Jarrett was DDT's him for the win. Yeah, that was, it just, it felt a bit like you could see Coco get into position for it. And uh, it sort of, I would, I would say it took me out of it, but this, this main event dragged. It wasn't even that long. It just didn't, just didn't flow. <laughs> as, as, like Jarrett had to tell him, hey, your shoe's untied. Hang on, I'm going to bend over real slow and look. Hey, they're not. Boom, DDT. <laughs> that would have been a funnier ending, to be fair. <laughs> but we... We got a much livelier finish of the show, thankfully, because Jarrett decides to go to the floor, starts mouthing off the Randy Savage. Probably because of the whole outlaw territory thing from 15 years ago when when the Pothos ran Memphis. And... They won't leave those memories alone. They're digging them straight back up. We have Jarrett, Coco, and Savage out here. This is Memphis personified. And, and given the outfits all three are wearing, just the garish colors, it's like Memphis with Mardi Gras outfits. It's, a, it's quite it's quite a uh, quite a garish potential collision here between Jarrett and Savage. I think someone ran over a 64 box of crayons with like a steamroller. <laughs> <laughs> so Jarrett's mouthing off. Savage throws a drink at him. Hits him right in the face. Sadly, Jarrett does not say dadgummit after that. That should have been his catchphrase. I think if he'd done it, he would have had a t-shirt the rival don't pee me off. Eh, you could say piss. It's fine. Oh, God. Yeah, you can actually. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's. It's a natural bodily function. We all do it. But anyway, Savage versus Jarrett could have been a really fun match, but we're not going to get it because, God forbid, we have Savage wrestle. Then why tease it? That's my thinking. Why are we teasing it? And to make it worse, I'm thinking this would be a great match to have, Savage versus Jarrett, because if someone can get the best out of Jeff Jarrett and make him into a great heel, or because there's some man as a heel worth watching, it'd be Randy Savage. So Jared's in the ring. He's egging him on. Savage is standing on the commentary table doing these Simon God's put up your Dukes motions with his arms. It is GIF worthy or GIF worthy or whatever it is. That killed me. That, that was the highlight of the show as far as I was concerned. I just don't know why you know, they're teasing us with this. <laughs> and this is the hottest the fans have been all night, too. It's they want to see Sav- Savage could challenge a random homeless guy to go to a match and the crowd want to see it because it's Randy Savage. Yeah, that's true. He's, 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 he's hot property at the moment. Savage doing anything is going to get the crowd into it because it's Randy's freaking Savage. i tell you what I want Savage to do. What's that? To call me on the WWF hotline. Oh, yes, because we, uh, we have a little commercial here after Savage and Coco beat up Jarrett together. Savage... Said we never got a higher energy with Savage and Coco. <laughs> and we have a we have a commercial where where you can actually have some have a wrestler place a personal phone call to a person of your choosing. You could have Bret Hart wish you happy birthday. Give Undertaker wish you well on your job promotion. For, 
from beyond the grave, mind you. You can have Bart Gunn wish you well on your upcoming hernia surgery. <laughs> For just $10 a call, this was an actual thing. For the same price as the WWE Network is now, you could have Razor Ramon give you a call to say, I'm, I'm glad the results were negative. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, and everything about this advert I i'm sure you had something similar in the... hey man gonorrhea is no joke i'm glad you don't have it chico <laughs> gonorrhea don't last forever but bad guys do it does last forever oh oh god um but uh, I'm kidding. It lasts forever. Um, but it's the it's I just I just love the campy nature of this. I don't know whether you had in America because over here we had we had a, an advert in the nineties for something called Chatback. She's oh eight nine eight fifty fifty fifty, and it this garish advert that came on telly late at night, and the video featured like basically like, call now for chats with new friends, and it, the the advert was just guys on the phone and girls on the phone, like in with big bold colours behind them, not dissimilar to this. This felt like wrestlers chat back at this point. <laughs> the idea of these wrestlers giving you a call. The best part of it was the the last thing they suggested, or maybe you could you could. Have a, you could have them give your friend a friendship call. And they, they cut to Owen Hart cutting a promo, who's interrupted by the phone ringing. And he answers it, and it's Brett. And he immediately slams the phone down. And that was pretty funny, actually. I loved it. I lo- this, was, this was the highlight of the show for me. This advert. This wrestler's call chat line. <laughs> I would so have Doug and call you. Oh, mate, that's mean. <laughs> I would have. Do you know who I'd have call you? Ken Lucia. I'd, I'd be totally fine. I'd be the happiest phone call that I ever get. I'd have Ken Lucia congratulate you on your car passing its MOT. <laughs> I, wonder what, I wonder what limits there were for this. Oh. <laughs> like, 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 mate, I'm, pay, like, I'm paying $10. I should get whatever I want. I want Renee Goulet to call you and wish you well on having multiple podcasts. <laughs> right, I've got an idea. Right, at DRH Writing on Twitter, at Tom Campbell on Twitter, we're together with at Colt Arlick. Which new generation wrestler would you like to call you on the WWF hotline and for what reason? <laughs> Actually, if you had to do it today, who would it be? Oh. Like, like, the, like the current wrestler. I want to have Mojo call Adam. Oh, that'd be... Oh, God, he'd, he'd, he'd love that. He'd love that to death. I would have Rusev call Ross. Oh, my God. That'd be that'd just be phenomenal to see. Or better yet, Bobby Lashley to call Ross to say what it was like kissing Rusev's wife. <laughs> it tasted like strawberries. <laughs> what an odd <laughs> reference that was. <laughs> or you could just have Rusev... But have Ross call Rusev. It'll cheer Rusev up. <laughs> and they can form a team Rossef. <laughs> that that sounds like a disease. <laughs> I have Rossef. It's like gout, but worse. <laughs> See, I would have if I'd have someone call you. Hmm. 
if Duggan's not an option, then I'm kind of out of ideas. Because I mean, he'd be the first one I'd pick, obviously, just to, like, like, hey, tough guy, I heard you were talking crap about my, about my <laughs> mattress song, and I wouldn't sell. I want Duggan just to completely sound off on me. Hey, you tough guy, I heard you were talking crap about me. <laughs> <laughs> I want Duggan to call Tom and just cut him down to size. <laughs> I don't ask for much out of life. I heard you talking crap about me. I don't know if I want Duggan saying that to me. I'd feel sad. I mean, if my ten, bu- if my ten bucks is riding on this, that's what I'm getting out of it. I mean, my money's worse. Your suggestions, please, on Twitter at Tom Campbell or at JRH Writing, please. More suggestions for that would be amazing. <laughs> Hey, tough guy, I heard you beat that paternity test. (laughs) (laughs) That's great, now the paid child support. Stop talking crap about me. (laughs) I listen to your stupid podcast. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, it's too funny. So so we come back to the end of the show here because – I don't know how we're gonna top that, but but damn it, they try. Yeah. Plug next week's action. It's one, two, three, kid wrestling. Owen Hart's in action plus Luger versus Martel. Then Savage Vince share the most awkward high ten ever. Oh, it was, wasn't it? Oh, it was people who'd never done a high ten before doing a high ten. It's like watching two people who've who've been unthought out of a block of ice trying to imitate human behavior. <laughs> Do you remember like like how we did things? Oh gosh. Because Vince and Savage are best buds forever. Wait, eight months from now. And that's it for this week's show. That is your post-WrestleMania episode of Raw. Well, it had all the trappings of a WrestleMania after Raw. A Raw after WrestleMania, rather. You know, big returns. You know. Coco. Some Coco Beware actions and Bushwhacker action. And a hotline. So we had all the main things from a a (laughs) post-WrestleMania shenanigan. I I enjoyed the hotline bit. Uh, Everything else kind of washed over me a little bit yeah it's it's um it's still a throwaway show at this point but as you say we are now in the lean years oh we are leaner than ever can we get any leaner we're gonna find out next week when we reconvene uh, here on the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. He is at JRH Writing. I am at Tom Campbell. We will speak to you next week. I love you. Bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 